I always said is we put one foot firmly on terra firma of the new world, but we forget to do something. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, you're looking very Steve Jobsy today. You got the, I mean, it's not no, quite it's a turtleneck, a, but like uh, a, okay. a race shirt. Um, you know, gotcha. five, you know, one of those shirts you get for running a 5K. I thought you were a surfer. Well, I mean, my wife makes me go and run, so, uh, you know. Can't, you can't do a 5K surf? No. Would that be like the ultimate though? Like if you could surf That would be, K? yeah, that would be, that would be pretty, pretty amazing. Has anyone ever seen You know what today K? is? Um, damn, it's not, it's not hump day. That was yesterday. No. Exactly one week since what happened. Well, it's a week and a day. It's a week and a, a day. A week and a day. You're, uh, well, yes. Yeah. And that's world champs, baby. World yeah, champs. Well, it all depends on how you look at time zones and things like that, you know. So. I, I guess if you're in the Atlantic time yeah, zone right. or the well, Atlantic time that's zone, you're, you're – Yeah, I don't know what I'm taking. It's all right. I'll tell you what, this whole uh, daylight savings time, it has got my uh, circadian rhythms just totally yeah. fucked. It's almost dark right now. Anyhow, so Michael, what's, what's, got, you, uh, what's got you frustrated today? What, what, what's, what's on the top of your mind about uh, sales and marketing? Let, let, let's bring this podcast back to the black line between sales and marketing. Yeah, so... I don't, what's got me frustrated today? What's, I mean, it's a frustration you, I think everybody has every day, or at least they think about it, which is, you know, how do I, how do I grow? How do I grow faster? Um, how do I get more people knowing about us? How do I get more people? Uh, so I, I think just, you know, how do we grow? How do we grow faster? Well, let me ask you this question. Is growing faster, should growing faster be the goal? Um, no. Growing successfully should be the goal. Um, I mean, so, you know, we, you know, we've kind of picked up this, this banner of smart growth that we talk a lot about. And, you know, HubSpot talks about grow better. Um, but, you know, I, I we, so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, a couple. Well, I guess it's like, you know, it, it's like for us, you know, finding right fit customers, not trying to, you know, stick a square peg in a round hole, but how do we go find them? How do we let them find us? You know, those, those are some of the frustrations I have. Oh, wow. You're going to end up, I was going to try to stay away from my, uh, my idea for the day, but you're going to, you're going to push me there. So. We talked about good arts law a few podcasts ago. Good arts law is um, the moment you take a good measure and turn it into a target, it stops being a good metric or a good measure. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's what we've done with um, with fast growth. Um, you know, and I, so it's it's funny. I don't know if you know this or not because I don't think you and I knew each other when when this was the case, but. When I started blogging in 2005, the name of the blog was the Fast Growth Blog, right? And it was all about fast growth companies, and I had studied fast growth companies. And I think, I think it had gone from high growth companies to fast growth companies. Um, then, then unicorns started coming about, and then it, then it became uh, – and you know who um, – uh, Rand Fishkin, I think, does a great job talking about this, how, how we, we worship the god of speed and fast growth without even – realizing that that's the God that we're worshiping, right? Like we think we're being all smart and then you realize, you know, and I think he told the story um, cause you know it better than I do, you know, where he woke up and was like, he hated his job. He hated his life. He wasn't, I mean, I don't want to say he was sick, sick, but he, you know, and he's like, why? No, he, 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 he was, he was mentally sick. And okay. He, so right, right, right. Yeah. And, and so we've got, um, you know, we, 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 we've got, blog post headlines that say the networking email that has a 96% success rate. Right. And someone goes, but you know, like you and I know that's bullshit. Right. right? But, uh, but, but a lot of people don't, but, and, and, I, and you know what? I think people know that it's bullshit. Like, I don't think I can't imagine anyone actually thinks that, that, but then they go, well, 
you know, I'm only successful 50% of the time. Right. You know, and which like everyone in the world would be like, Oh, um, Oh my God. And you know, the, the whole unicorn game, we've, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. You, you, you meet somebody and they ask you, they, they ask you like, so if you're funded, they go, so what's your valuation? Right. What's yep. your last valuation? What, which, what does that do? That leads to, to the soft banks of the world, investing in, in a company, then investing again, then investing again. And basically they get to set the valuation. Um, I, 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 I heard someone say, yeah, we're only valued at, at $500 million or something. And I'm like, only, dude, that's, you know, that's pretty good. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's um, pretty good. Pretty hard to do. You know, so, or, or you go, um, you, you, you go to, to HubSpot agency partner day, you know, a question everyone asks, how many people are you up to? Yep. Right. How many employees do you have? And all of a sudden, like you go in and you say, um, I'm you're like, you're embarrassed to say I'm, I'm at the same or I heard someone say, yeah, we've only hired two people in the last year. You, you've increased your headcount by 10%. That's, that's pretty good. Right. Right. You know, so, so, so we're, we're on this treadmill that, that I think, um, you know, we've, we've taken a measure of fast growth, which was a byproduct of good decisions. And we've said, okay, well, that's now the metric. And, and, and have you ever noticed that the more you pursue something, the more you the make it, it the ends, the less likely you are to get it. Yep. Right. And, and so I, I, I think part of the problem is that we're so focused on fast growth that, that we don't know what that means. So like we're all in, so here's, here's what I'm going to say. I think the problem is everyone is in first gear on their bicycle instead of 18th gear. Yep. Right. You know, when you're I, eight, I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean by that. Like we're just pedaling. We're, we're we're pushing so hard and we're not going anywhere. No, we're pushing so fast. We're not going anywhere. Right, like right, it, right, it, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Right, we're focused right. on revolutions. You know, we're focused on spin rate. Let's take it back to baseball. We're focused on spin rate rather than distance, right? Because, you know, when you're in 18th gear, you pedal hard, but you don't feel like you're pedaling fast. You don't, you don't feel like, you, you don't feel like you're moving fast except you're moving really fast. Then you go into first gear and you're like, man, you are like, your, your feet are going around. Right. And so we're, we're all in this speed game. So like, that's, that's my problem is we, I think we've mistaken fast with speed. And so I think it's put us to where we played the wrong game. Um, and so you talked about something that I think is really interesting. You said, how do we get the right people to notice us? Um, and, you know, we're going through an exercise right now. So I actually get to speak of this. You know, the, you know, the fun thing about advising is. Well, there's probably a lot of fun things about it. You don't have to deal with the shit. You don't have to deal with the muck. Right. Like, yeah, that, well, that's. I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. Your database is disorganized. Right? <laughs> this is what you have to do. Right. So it's like, it's always so much easier and so much cleaner to, to be talking to somebody else about doing this. So, so we've, um, we've made some adjustments in terms of, uh, in terms of where we're focused. We, we've actually come to the conclusion ourselves that we, we need to work with, with fewer customers at much deeper levels, just because, I mean, this could be a conversation for another day. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of playing rec ball. Yeah. Right. It's like, let, let's, you want to play, let's play ball. Right. Let, you know, um, so, so we're, we're really narrowing down and, you know, after spending years of, you know, being focused on, Hey, look how many leads we're developing. Hey, look how many new companies we've added. Hey, look how many companies fit our profile that we've added. You know, all of a sudden our profile, you know, we've really moved, we're, we're moving very heavily to, these, these are the very few that we are focused on. And then this is the environment. You remember um, a couple podcasts ago, 
actually, I think it was on a podcast that it kind of sprung to me where marketing's job is to create the environment where, where growth can happen, where customer acquisition can happen. So we're kind of like really bifurcating how we're looking at that, really taking um, a truly account focused approach to, to where we're allocating our resources. And so I got to live with this personally and I'm reminded just how hard it is. I think most people struggle to get the right people to um, notice them because they fail to take the first and the most important step. And that is to acknowledge who are not the right people. Yep. Some people have gone to the step of identifying who are the wrong people. Um, and even there, I think they've only gone part of the way that they think they've gone. They, they maybe identify it, but they still pursue it. Right. So uh, it's, it's interesting you say that. So about two weeks ago, we were, we had, um, we had our team, we were on our team call and we just kind of like, you know, it's always like, Hey, we want to build more. We want to do deeper, you know, more integrations. We want to, you know, we were talking about, you know, for the past year, we've been talking about doing Salesforce marketing cloud and, you know, integrating with this, integrating with that, doing this, doing that. We finally just came to a head and we said, you know, we've got all these like really, really, really good customers that are just giving us invaluable feedback. Let's just double down on them and just totally 100% focus on going much, much deeper into what we're already doing um, versus going wider and wider. So it's like, Hey, we're just going to double down on, on uh, like just become so much more focused because we we've found ourselves in that same situation where it's like, we say, Oh, these are the wrong customers, but then we'll still sometimes let them in the door. <laughs> so rather than doubling down on, 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 on who the right customers are. So we're trying to take that first real step, which you just talked about. So I'm going to challenge you there. Cause that's what I did. And I realized um, I actually got depressed because I couldn't get, I'm like, A, a I'm trying to get, a, I'm, I'm trying to wrangle a database that, that's evolved. I mean, how I, my, my database started with HubSpot when it didn't have a company object, right? So, I mean, I got, I've got names in here that, that right? So, I mean, my database is, is certainly not, not, not the database that I would, you know, wake up with today. No, but, uh, this is what the database right. should have. So we're, but, but also to get, to, to get back in, in, into our message and our tactic. And, and um, so you said something and, and you said it kind of like it went together. And I'm going to challenge what you said, not because I want to challenge you, but because I think what you said is what a lot of executives and a lot of sales leaders and, and marketing leaders say, and they think they got it there, but that's actually the easy part of what I'm talking about. You said, what if we doubled down and just focused a hundred percent? So, so first off, we tend to talk about those two um, cliches. I don't mean that negatively to you. I just mean that, you know, those are, uh, you know, stitch in time, take it one, you know. Yeah. Just looking for a good pitch, want to put my A swing on right, it, right? Right. Um, a, doubling down doesn't equal 100%. And as a matter of fact, I would say doubling down actually rarely equals 100%. But, good. And oh, by the way, to go from an 80% focus to a 90% focus, that's actually more than doubling down if you think about the intensity and, and the way yeah. dynamics work. Itself. But what, like that, what people do is they do the good part of the exercise. And what you did was the good part of the exercise. Right. And now it's the hard part of the exercise. But, but what I'm saying is the first step is the hard part of the exercise. Right. The hard part of the exercise, you might even say it is the only step of the exercise. The step is not who are you going to focus a hundred percent on? Who are you going to focus 0% on? Who are you going to ignore? Right now you've got a business where you could ignore somebody and they could still buy from you because you could build a self-serve component. Yeah. That's one of the nice things about product. But, but I would say this is something for you guys to think about, right? You've got to decide. And, and this was, like I'm going through our, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tearing um, and, and, and the way we're, so, so, so we have a cohort structure 
um, which is which is kind of more of a quality metric. What's the what's how, how valuable, how big of an impact could could this company have? But then the way we tier it is so for our our, our tier one, that's our focus segment. This is the stuff we're focused on to generate business. This is, you know, we're looking for, you know, th this is going to generate revenue in the near term. Then our tier two, we call that our farm. That's, that's the stuff that we've got things going, but it, we're, we're looking more towards, you know, it's a little bit more towards the long term. And then our tier three is that's the, that's, that's the staging ground for, for tier one and two. And then we kind of theoretically have tier four which isn't identified as a tier. It's all the non-disqualified companies that if they throw a spark. Um, they could potentially you know, move or, up. Or, or, or if we get a signal or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways and, and some other time, maybe I'll go into, in, into detail about what we're doing. Um, so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking at people that we've actually had, that we've had engagement We've even had sales conversations with them. We maybe even had an at bat a chance over over the years. And I looked and I said, you know what? They're 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 tier four. And and what it came down to here was I'm like, could they play double A ball? That's kind of where I am. Like I want to get I, I want to get to the point where um where that's not even like I want to be above double A. If, if yeah. Uh, we have a whole bunch of people who don't have, who know nothing about minor league baseball to, um, you know, now, now here's the thing. If you play double a baseball, that's the second level of minor league baseball. Um, for, for those of you that, that are listening, you're, you're probably the top 1%. You're probably in the top 1% of baseball players in the world. Probably ever. Yeah, definitely ever. Right. You're in the top 1% ever. I mean, you're really, 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 really good. Um, if you get to double a. Right. If you yep. get to if you get to AAA, you're in the top one tenth of one percent. And if you're in yep. Major League Baseball, you're in the top one hundredth of one percent. Right. So so if you think about that scale of, of 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 the game, I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? I really like that guy. I really like him because I remember conversation. And I said, but you know what? He he'll never play more than he can't play more than double A. I mean, he'll he'll not he'll, he'll never play double A ball. At least not in his iteration. Maybe, maybe something happens to his business and you know it changes and he can play at a, at a different level. And I'm like, you know what? I just can't. I, I just can't do that. And and part of the reason was is I'm looking at this other set of of companies that I want to that 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 I need to be able to work at work with. Like we need to be able to solve a holistic program. That that's what I actually had a great conversation with a with a client just before we got on and we're talking about his growth plan and he said to me he said Doug. I want to help you get more business with us. That's always nice when they say that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, but, but what I also want to make sure is like, there's, there's a lot that I want you to do. And then he said to me, he said, you know, Doug, there's a lot that I know you can do. And, and the way you look at things, and he said, but we also have to admit that your team can't necessarily execute on all the things that you can think about. And, and I said, Ryan, I thought this was going to be a nice conversation. Um, <laughs> right. And he, but I said, no, that he's like, that's right. So what he said was, he goes, look, I want I, you know, he's like, there's a lot of things we're doing. We're getting, you know, he, he, they're actually, they're owned by a private equity company. So he's in a group within a group within a company that's owned by private equity. And, and the noise is getting around of, of what he's doing. And he said, but I want it to be good business for you that, that's going to be your core business that, that you're going to scale. Because if it's not, then you're not really going to be able, you know, um, you know, then I can't really count on you in, in fairness. And I said, no, absolutely. And, and we talked about what we want. And I said, look, right, here's the thing. Here's what we're the best in the world at. We are the best in the world at understanding the customer acquisition process from the beginning to the end. We are the best in the world at that. I, I would put us up against anybody in terms of being able to understand the totality of that. And he said, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I said, and then further translating and understanding what does that mean where the rubber hits the road? Now, we don't necessarily, we're not great at everything between that picture and where the rubber meets the road, but understanding that and then understanding the structural components and, and building the operational side so that what you're, so that the process and the operation that you're building is, is capable of, of delivering that holistic piece and we're, we're picking up what I'm, um, 
what, what I'm increasingly calling the barnacles, right? As, yeah. When we had Lou on, we talked about frictionless selling. And one of the things that I've been thinking more and more about is we, we keep talking about friction events, right? Um, but uh, like I just did a sales genius podcast yesterday on this where I like, we don't, you, we don't ever use the term blocker or gatekeeper in our, in our sales processes, in our, in our role player, um, in, in how we define roles. We, as a matter of fact, if we lead, if we're in charge, if we have any major influence, you're not allowed to call somebody a blocker or a gatekeeper. Um, and so I said, well, why is that? And I said, well, because the moment you call them a blocker or a gatekeeper, you, you've done two things. First off, you've just created an adversarial situation. Yep. Right. You've just made it adversarial. Um, secondly, you've also built a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And, and I talked about this sociological experiment that got done decades ago where a group of students got divided into the exceptional students, the average students, and the poor students. And they, you know, as they went from one grade to the next grade, the teachers were told, these are the exceptional, these are the average, these are the poor. Then they came back at the end of the year to assess, you know, how the students were performing. And the exceptional students were far above everybody else, and the poor students were far below everybody else. But you go, oh, it makes sense, right? Because the exceptional would outperform and the poor would underperform. Except for the fact that all the kids were randomly assigned to the exceptional average Interesting. The, the yeah. teacher walked in and said oh these are the exceptional kids so they expected exceptional performance teacher walked in and said oh these are the these are the dumb kids so they expected dumb performance so if i call you a blocker you know what i know you're going to do you're going to block block right i always um, no i mean it, that's interesting because i always found well i've always found that if you can if, if you do find somebody that's you know throwing up roadblocks that traditionally people would call blockers and you align with them. I mean, the, those are the best situations. Those typically produce the best results. Well, but no, no. So that then, I agree that that then presents the next part. There's no such role as blocker or gatekeeper. Yeah. That's yeah. not a role. Hey, everybody, my job's blocker. No, that's not their job. <laughs> we, right. We talk about empathy in sales all the time. But if I, if I label you blocker, I can't empathize with you. And by the way, who wants to talk to the blocker? We say things like, well, make friends with the gatekeeper. Right? I, I've seen the definition of a gatekeeper. The, the gatekeeper is the blocker who works to prevent things from happening. Nobody works to prevent things from happening. Right? Unless they don't think it's good. Right? Everybody in the organization that I'm selling to thinks they're making a decision that, that's the right thing. That's, that's the right thing, right? Yep. By the way, by the way, we don't use the term as a role. We don't. No one's called decision maker, right? For for two reasons. One is there's no such thing as a decision maker today. There's no, there's rarely one person who makes the decision. And and so my point about this on friction. Sorry, I'm about to repeat the whole podcast from yesterday. You can listen to Sales Genius podcast. Um, like ever, you know, if if you listen to it, you'll hear I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit. Except I'm not, right? That's, that's a barnacle, right? That's a little piece of friction that we never think about, right? But, but when we say, hey, are, you know, they're a results owner. What results do they own? They're a process owner. What process do they own? What, what language does the process owner speak? How to, oh, they're an integrator, right? When we actually get into the role, we, we move to empathy, right? We begin to see the world through their eyes. We begin to see the world through multiple people's, multiple people's eyes. We begin, to, we begin to be in alignment, right? So as I'm trying to figure out, how do I get into the mind? And here's the problem, by the way, how do I get into the mind of somebody who's playing, who can play double A, triple A, or major league ball? They're hard to break through. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right. Right, because they're pretty good. They don't yeah. need you, right? And I think this is true for like, most people, like the people that are really easy to connect with, they're in trouble. Yep. Right. And, and they're not profitable. They eat up a lot of time. They're like you're almost always your best customers. They're the hardest to break through. And so what I realized was I'm like, you know what? I, I like this guy. I can't think about him anymore. And, and if he came along and said to me, Doug, I want to pay you $7,500 a month for this. You know what? If he paid me $7,500 $7, a month, he'd be profitable. It'd be good. 
but either I'd be doing him a disservice because he's not who I'm solving the problem. Structuring your, right, 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 or structuring where you're growing your business. Or he would, he would pull me out. Like it it would diffract the focus. That's right. That's that's what I'm saying. Right. And, and so to break through the barrier, you've got to be ultra, ultra focused. And we think about focus as the act of focusing, not the non-act of, or not the act of not focusing. And so it's like, we've got to take people out of the picture. We've got to say, who are we going to spend 0% of attention on? Now, I think a business goes through a series of cycles, right? I think you go through a period where you have to be ultra focused. You hit a critical mass. You can then widen your focus, right? Because you kind of get to a new level. And, and so you can, you can go back to broad. And you, you kind of, your, your, your normal, your, your center of gravity has shifted. So now you can go back to broadening your focus. But then you'll hit, you know, you'll take on too much complexity and, and the problems will reemerge. And the way you solve that is you refocus and then you broaden the focus and then you refocus and then you can broaden the focus. But we always think of the focus as um, as the who are we going to focus on? And, and what I always said is we put one foot firmly on terra firma of the new world, but we forget to do something. And that's take the other foot out. Yep. Right. No, and so here's my, I mean, it's an excellent point. And here's my question. If, if you're not willing to take the other foot out, why should the prospect that you want to talk to you treat you as anything other than a commodity? It's a great question. I, I, I agree. And, and then here's my next question. How much time are you going to give to, to impact that market? So I'm not going to lie to you. I, we, we, we made a tremendous amount of progress on that focus over the last couple of weeks. It's been very painful. Very, very painful. Um, and so we just launched the first campaign for tier one and tier two. I sent out some emails and I'm like, okay, well, where's the response? <laughs> How many of us are like that? Right. How many of us are like, okay, 30 days in, where's the result? Yep. It's like, whoa. Right. They don't even know who you are. Um, and so when, when we talk about, when we talk about what, what do you want to do to get noticed? Um, this is, this is becoming my battle cry. Your market will not work as hard. will will work, will not work harder than you will to understand you than you will to understand them. And as a matter of fact, yep. I don't think they'll work a 10th as hard. I think you have to work 10 times harder to understand the person you're trying to influence than you so can with, expect with, them. Yeah. With, to understand a, you. Right. Or to even, give one piece of thought to understanding you. But how many people do that? And in fairness, have you done that yet? Have you worked 10 times harder to understand who you want to have focus to, like that? You know, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just- Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I, I mean, I'm again, asking the listener. Right, we, I mean, we, that is what we're doing. We're going through some of that exercise of like, who is that ideal? who is that ideal customer? What do they look like? And then who isn't the ideal customer? So then what are you going to do? Start pulling our foot out of the, uh, the, the unideal customer and focusing more around the ideal customer. And that'll lead product direction, marketing, you know, et cetera. Alrighty. Well, that, there goes that episode of, uh, yeah. so, so 
so tell me more. So you, so tell me more about what has you frustrated. Let's, let's keep the conversation going. Again, it's just, it, it's purely, you know, what has me additionally frustrated is just, there's 50 different things I got to do every day. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean you personally. I mean, what has you frustrated in the world of sales? So let, 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 let's actually go to the next, let's go to the next thing. I think, um, I think we send too many emails. To who? To everybody. So, so today I, I was doing the first campaign and I start off and I did what everybody does. I've identified these personas and these types of accounts and these types of things. And I'm going to send uh, an introductory email. And so I started to create an automated email. And I looked at it and I said, do I really want to do that? I'm like, yeah, I mean, of course that's what I want to do. And I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to create, a sales template and I'm going to send that email to each of, and, I, and so I think it was 150 people, not a lot, but a lot, right? Now I tell a salesperson, you need to send this email to these 150 people. What is every sales rep? What is every sales rep going to say? Either, I don't know, why can't marketing do it or... Why can't you just automate that? Right, right. Why can't you just automate that? Do you know what, you, you know about sequences in HubSpot, right? Um, yeah, yeah, sales yeah, off yeah, calls yeah. and cadences, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it's basically, um, it's automated. It's like basically a marketing email for sales to send, right? And so you can automate, um, you know, a multiple string of emails. And you know what everyone complains about with, um, with sequences? Hmm. Can't we just automate enrolling somebody in there? Yeah. And I said, I'm like, seriously, you can't, you can't even, <laughs> you can't even like, just like, really? Right. But, and so if I had said to somebody that, that we're going to send these hundred, so it took me an hour and a half to send 150 emails. And I probably took two 10 minute breaks because it was pretty freaking monotonous. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I know a lot of salespeople wouldn't do that. I know a lot of salespeople would complain about it. I know a lot of sales managers wouldn't let it happen. Right. Um, and we would say, and there are probably a lot of people thinking, why would you do that when you could just have sent the email? Um, and now, by the way, 90% of the audience, 95% of the audience I sent it to was cold. 5% are people that we've had um, things that go on with. By doing that, I, I probably, of the 150, I probably changed the template in, in some manner for about 10 of them. By the way, one of them, this is a webinar that we're promoting a webinar that we're, that we're hosting. One of them has already signed up for his salespeople and himself to be on the webinar. I don't know. Pretty good response. That strikes me as a fairly good use of an hour and a half time. Um, might he have done that on an automated email? Yeah, he might have because he knew who I was. And, and, but but I, I took out all of the intro stuff where I, where I presented the problem to him because I've already had enough conversation with him. Like we already agree on what the problem is, right? Yeah. We already agree that sales emails suck. I don't need to, you know, have my opening statement like that. And, and so if I had sent it to him, like he would have felt even if it was like you were, you, you, that you had not previously listened it, to what right. to, to, to the conversation. Yep. An, another person I've known for years, she's at a different company. And I said, PS, um, how in the world have our kids gotten, how, how in the world have we, have we come to have kids that are so old? Right. Cause our kids are in their, in their early twenties or yep. mine's 19 and, 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 and 22. And, and she responded, and I've been working to try to get her, you know, she's been saying that she wants me to, to be, um, you know, she's trying to help me get into the company. She's, you know what, I'm going to take this, you know, I work with our head of marketing now. I'm going to take this to her head of marketing. I want to let her know about it as well. Right. And, and 
you know, but so I, you know, little things along those lines that, that change it. But you know, but again, I said 140 of the emails, um, exactly the same. And and I thought about it, and I said, you know what? If I can't, if I can't justify the time to send that email, then is it really fair for me to expect them to respond? Expect that, yeah, expect them to respond, absolutely. Right. And 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 make no mistake about it. Um. I got a hundred things to do, right? I wish my job was full-time sales, right? So, 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 so that was, so, but, but, you know, um, today I talked to somebody, a, a client and, and it was a project related to their website and, <clears throat> you know, they were going to do this thing around, uh, you know, they're a reseller. And, and so it was going to be like about a thousand pages that, that we were, we were going to create this thing that, ultimately will lead to some e-commerce opportunity, et cetera. It doesn't really matter. We'd given them a quote for it. We're, we're going to be partnering with somebody who's got um, more development and, and SEO expertise, one of our um, smart growth certified partners. And, you know, we had given them the quote and it was going to come out to be, I don't want to, I don't want to give numbers on here. It was going to be a, a meaningful number. It was going to be six figures, meaningful number. Yeah. And, you know, it had actually been received very, very well, but now they're in budgeting season. And so all of a sudden he came back and he's like, well, you know what? We don't really have the budget for it. This really seems, you know, a little bit high. I mean, if we're going to do a thousand pages, it seems like you should be, you know, the price per should maybe come down. I explained to him like, no, actually a um, thousand pages is more than 10 times harder than a hundred pages because of the complexity around organizing things, et cetera. But he said, look, you know, um, he said, we don't have the budget for it. We can't, we can't afford it. And I said, okay, well, what can you afford? And his response, I'm like, well, that's a good question, actually. Um, and then he gave me, you know, said, you know, we, you know, probably we need to keep it. And it was probably, you know, it was about a fifth of what the initial proposal was. And I said, you know what I would do? He said, what? I said, I would do a fifth of the pages. I would do 200 pages. And, and, let's, and let's do it as a proof of concept, right? Before, you, you know, I said, but here's the thing. If, if we want to try to do a thousand pages at a fifth of the budget, we could do it. And by the way, for what we quoted them, I know that there are companies out there that would do it. It would suck. It would create a miserable user experience because there's a lot of, you know, and I said, here's the thing. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Right. And so I get that a lot of companies don't have the time to do what they need to do. And that's why all of these magical tools are, are doing the things that, you know, send a thousand emails at one time. Um, and we're like, yeah, oh, thank goodness. Um, and, I, and I realized what's happening is, you know, we're hiring all these salespeople. We're sending out all these emails. We're making all these calls. We're, we're sucking through to try to hit this month's numbers, all the things we've talked about for the last two years, right? All to hide the fact that our yield sucks. Yep. And then we haven't done the hard upfront work. Well, right. And, and so, and what are we seeing, by the way? WeWork, Uber, um, we're, we're seeing all these companies increasingly that, that have been manufacturing revenue at, at, at the expense of, you know, it, it, it's been about value extraction, right? It's the expense of a strong foundation. Right. So, so it, you know, it's been hiding yield. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny when I was a kid, my parents ran a travel agency and, and I learned business. It was the lemonade store theory of business. And the lemonade story theory of business said, if it costs you a dollar to make a cup of lemonade and you sell it for 90 cents, your lemonade stand's not going to be in business for very long. Right. And, and so what's happening is, is we're, we're running past yield. And, and for the, for the audience that we're really speaking to, we're not speaking to the audience that has raised hundreds of millions of dollars. They've maybe raised a few million dollars, 
they're more likely than not self-funded or, or they have to be self-funded. You know, the company I work with, they're owned by a private equity company. Yeah, let them lose money in a year and see, see what happens there. Yeah, exactly, right? Right, yeah. um, um, the the um, wow! I just walked into a mental cul-de-sac. Where, because we're thinking fast growth, we're thinking more and more and more, right? And 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 the reality is. If we did less, but we did it better, and we did it with more intention, I, I, I will bet you that, that you'll get more out, you'll get more output. And, and, and further, you'll, you'll bring strength to the foundation, right? So, so the question is, so I, I will say this, if you are struggling to get the attention of an audience, if you feel like your desired audience doesn't understand you well enough, not hearing you, you're not having that impact, do you know what my recommendation is? What narrow that? the focus. Narrow the focus of what you define the right audience. Focus on fewer people. Right? And that means, right, focus on means drop the others. Right? Focus on. And, and that's going to have far more impact. Who are the people, you know, What's the game that you're playing? What's the formula that you're playing? And then play that game. But we're out there playing seven different games, look, you know, waiting for which one of the variations of those games gets on a run. Right. It's going to lead to the high. And the, then we're going to jump field. on. Right? Yeah. And, and so, like, here's the question. Who are you going to say no to? Because saying yes to the right person, that's, that's freaking easy. Everybody wants to say yes to the right person. Who are you going to say no to? Who are you not going to focus on? Where are you not going to be? Um, and then what's your repeatable process to make that happen? Right? And, and I'm telling you, it's going to be nine times out of 10. Less is more. Right? I mean, it's so trite. But how many of us... Like it's so trite. Right. But how many of us practice but who who, who, right. who lives by it? Right. Then what begins to happen is people begin to start paying attention to you. Right. Then you start doing good things. Then you start, you know, then, then you start understanding and, and, and you start seeing things. Like I think in your world, I think everybody's like all feature crazy. Right. Yep. And, and so we're going broad, broad, broad. And, and, like, like here, so here's a question to ask anybody that feels like they're struggling, that they're not having the traction that they want. Who do you solve a problem for? Like, what is the problem that you solve? And who does that matter? Like, whose job depends on that problem being solved? You know, one reason, as I'm saying that, one reason that people don't, um, don't get traction is they focus on a problem that no one gets fired for. Yep. Right. And so they're in this in-between stage. Right. And that, that's where that comes. Um, and so when you, when you, you know, years and years ago, I said, narrow the focus, expand the yield, right? You've got to narrow the focus. You've got to um, increase the intensity deepen the message. And like, that's where we are right now. Just so you know, um, we're, we're getting to that narrowed focus again. And, and, and I realized over the course of years, our focus had broadened way too much. We had gotten way too fractured. Cause I started looking, I'm like, well, uh, yeah, health, health and beauty. Yeah. We could, I mean, sure. Why not? You know, they, they need content. I'm like, what the do I know about health and beauty? Um, I actually have somebody, our head of content actually comes from that industry. So we actually have some expertise there, but I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's probably not the right, that's probably not the right place for us. Yeah. Um, so, but, but then getting in and going, okay, for this company, I'm the head of sales. I'm the head of marketing. I'm the head of revenue. What am I really worried about right now? Right. And it's like, and I realized because of what 
you know, a hundred different reasons. I mean, we used to ace that. Like that used to be the place that I was the proudest of. Like we knew this. Um, and I'm like, you know, we, we don't have that down. Um, and, I, and I realized we didn't have that. We don't have that down because our, our who had gotten way too broad. So, you know, Simon Sinek says, start with why. Simon Sinek is wrong. Start with who. Who. Right? Because the why only matters to, to, to a who. There, there, there is no more important question than who do you want to be a hero to? Um, and then trade off everything to being a hero to that person. And by the way, that's the bowling ball theory. That's the bowling pin analogy that Jeffrey Moore brought out. Your head pin is the market that you're a hero to. And if you are a hero to this market, you'll knock into other pins better than anybody else, but you'll never have the momentum to knock into those pins if, you're, if, if you don't have that head pin. Like we keep yeah. trying to appeal to 10 segments, not to own one. Um, and I think if you, if you do that, everything works after that. The rhythm, the cadence, the approach, the style, the message, the voice, all those things plug off of that. I just don't think, like, I think it goes beyond your ideal client profile. So like we have an ideal client profile. What we're doing is we're saying, what is the sweet spot of the ideal client profile? Uh, of the ideal client profile, right. Yep. Right. Like the ideal client profile is too broad because the ideal client profile feeds our growth needs. And it's but, also you, right. And it's also you, there's also some, some bias there when there's multiple people within a room that are, that are identifying that ideal client profile. Right. And uh, you know what I, I would say there too, like you, you've got to have, so, so we do a lot of, um, we do, we talk about cohorts. So I, I talk to you about my tiers. So the way yeah. we identify um, types of companies or, 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 or value that we, so we have, we, we take a cohort approach. And, and so we have cohort A, cohort B, cohort C. Sometimes we do a cohort D and we always do a cohort F, right? And cohort F is who, who's not an ideal, like who's not ideal? Who's not like that? Oh, nope, we're not. Right, and, and you know, sometimes, you know, Miller Hyman actually used to talk, they, they, Miller Hyman used to talk about, I guess they probably still do. I just haven't looked at Miller Hyman in a while. Um, they talked about the point of receptivity as opposed to, I can't remember what they call it, but I call the other point, the point of impact. Um, we think about the point of receptivity too much. Um, especially, you know, if you do something different and you do something valuable, then, then what you do is not intuitive. If it was intuitive, they would already be doing it. And so when you get sucked into the point of receptivity, um, I, you know, I had a conversation with, um, uh, you know, an email conversation um, with one of the heads of marketing at, at HubSpot about the blog. And I'm like, you know, I think, I think the, I think the sales blog is getting too SEO focused and not, not message value focused, focused. Right? right? Well, but, but like, I don't even want to say value because maybe it's valuable if you're, but it, it you know, it's kind of like I mean, what I said to him was I said, you know, the whole HubSpot sales ecosystem is be smarter, grow better, eliminate friction, do different, disrupt experience. Well, that's new. That's different. So people don't search that. So I get the value of, of, of the search, right? But if, if the content's always off message, like if the content's reinforcing the legacy approach and you built a tool designed for a new approach, like you've got this, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're conflicting. You're off. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that, that that's one of the things that's happening to, to a lot of the, um, to a lot of the companies that are out there and, and, and a lot of the challenges that, you know, that, that you're talking about um, and others are talking about as well. So, you know, if, if, if you're not getting the traction that you want, it, you know, the, the scary thing about, about the automation that exists today is it becomes easier to throw more at, at the pie. You know, it's easier to throw more shit at the wall. And if you throw more shit at the wall, more shit will stick, will stick. Right. And, and if you're funded, you hire more salespeople. 
and you hire more salespeople and you hire more salespeople. By the way, did you see, I'm sorry, I have to, did you see the, um, the Uber stock is back at series C levels? Like if you were a series, I, I think, yeah, was, right, yeah. if you were a series C investor, you're still in the money. Somebody, well, again, we, we, we won't get into all the ratcheting terms and all that kind of stuff that they have. But so, so, somebody, um, but that actually might be passed. So yeah. Somebody, somebody from, um, from Uber tweeted, maybe the equity that we got was the wonderful people we got to know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and it's like, you know, we, we talk about unicorns like, like it's prayer. Like we, we, you know, we look at them as, as, you know, we're in an echo chamber, but you know, so much of what we're looking at is, is, is the wizard of Oz. It's, it's, you know, a lot of motion that doesn't signify a whole lot. Um, and that's why you got to be really clear, you know, to play your game and, 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 and to be focused, do less, do it better, do it right. Um, and, and, and I think you get more traction, um, and, and it becomes less crazy. And, and then momentum picks up. Like if you pick it up and you're focused and you're intentional, then momentum plays with you. Yep. Right? Then, and man, once momentum comes and you start picking up mass, that's what creates the unstoppable force. Um, we're, you know, kicking our legs in 76 different directions. That's not doing anybody any good. That's my thought. Floundering. No, it's good. I mean, it's, again, this is all goes back to a lot of internal conversations that we're having right now. And I think, I don't know how many other businesses have them, but you know, they all do. Yeah. They all do. Any party comments, sir? Uh, no, nothing I can, I, uh, nothing more to add here today. All righty. Well, the quote, Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. That'll do it for this edition, this episode of the Black Line Podcast.